0: In Acts, the 15th chapter, we're going to look at a few scriptures if that's okay with you this morning. Sometimes uh, people kind of just, I don't know, they're phasing or something while scripture is read, waiting until the minister gets to the important part. But you know, nothing you say after you read the scripture is more important than what you just read. In Acts 15 and verse 25. It says it seemed good. It seemed good. That's when, that's a major way the Lord leads you in life. Is just you know have you ever ever asked the question, what is your seamer? Where's your seamer at? Do you know that's how Dr. Luke came to know that he's supposed to write the gospel account of Luke. You'd have to add to the Bible to say he had a vision or heard a voice. He just said it seemed good to do this. And he writes, you know, by the, by the unction of the Holy Ghost, the gospel account of Luke. Some of the heaviest decisions that they made in the council of the church, in the book of Acts, this is what we're reading right here, they just said it seemed good to, to the Holy Ghost and to us to do this. Don't, don't try to hold out and look for something spectacular to know that you've heard from God. Don't try to make him write it in the sky. Don't try to hear an audible voice. If you're born again, you've got the Holy Ghost inside you. And he leads you, number one, first and foremost, by the witness of the Spirit. That witness is not a voice. Now, he can speak to you in the still, small voice. He could speak to you in what would seem to you to be an audible voice. But that's, that's not the way he does it most of the time. Most of the time, it's just that sense, that knowing. And as you're praying about something, it just seems good to do it. It seems like you ought to. Learn to follow that. Learn to be sensitive to that. That's why I came to Rhema. It just seemed like I should. That's why I started working in the healing school and prayer school out It just seemed like I ought to do it. And so, my, and looking back now, you realize, man, that was a major pivotal point in my life. If I hadn't have done that, I'd have totally missed God. And some, some things uh, that happened in my life, looking back, I thought, Lord, you know, that was so significant. You know, why didn't you say something to me uh, more dramatically about that? And, and he spoke to my heart. He said, it wasn't necessary. The psalmist talks about being rain trained. Anybody know anything about Horses? And and a well-trained horse, you don't have to have a huge bit in their mouth. You don't have to use all this horsepower tugging on them. A well-trained horse, you can just lay that rein on the side of their neck and they'll just flow with it. Kind of like power steering on a horse. You don't have to muscle them. You don't have to, you know. And the psalmist said, don't be like the mule. Don't, don't be like that, that, that I've got a tug with you. But he talks about being rain trained. You, you, you guide me through my rains. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. We don't have to see a burning bush. We don't have to hear an audible voice. We don't have to see it written in the sky. We just sense it. And it seems like we ought to do that. And the more we pray about it, it seems good. Everybody say, seems good. Because the Holy Ghost is in you. And when you're following that, you're following Him. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Other translations say men who have risked their lives for our Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking about the phrase, no guts, no glory. And I know you've heard that a lot. But it is exactly what the Lord said to me this week, several days ago. He didn't say it in those words. He said it like this to me about some things I was praying about. He said, no risk, no reward. Well, that's similar to saying it that way, no guts, no glory. No courage, no determination, but that's the, he said that to me, no risk, no reward. Now, anytime I get something like that, I don't like to just, to just go off and preach it or say it. I want to see it in the Bible. Is that so? Because, you know, there are a lot of phrases around, and it's interesting that people build their lives on them, and they're not word. It's just a man's idea. I had a lady one time after a service, she was kind of wrestling with me on a particular point, And her point of uh, foundation to argue, she said, well, you know, the, it's just like the song says. <laughs> and she quoted that to me just like it was a scripture. <laughs> well, some songs are scriptural and some are not. And some of them, two verses are scriptural and the third one is not. And some of them, half the, uh, the chorus is scriptural truth and, and half of it's just somebody's they were having an emotional low one day right it's true and you know i think it'd be neat if uh you know tapes and books by ministers and what have you had to have spiritual nutritional labels on them now i don't know who'd be qualified to put them on there but you know some of them would read you know Ten percent unbelief. Twenty five percent tradition. Twenty percent filler. Just oohs and ahs and uh huhs and <laughs> but no real substance. And, and I know that we like to think that well, hey, I teach and preach one hundred percent pure word of God. Well, you wish. <laughs> none of us not even the great apostle paul knows it all we know in part that means there are parts you don't know and it's those parts you don't know that can cause you to say things that are not absolutely correct so you and i need to discipline ourselves that we check everything 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 you hear from me any other minister everything you read in a book everything you hear on a tape Every phrase that you hear, examine it. Is it the word? Part word? All word? Amen? Amen? And you know, read books, listen to tapes, but realize that is not a substitute for you reading your Bible. Those are supplements. Amen? But there's nothing, you know, if somebody asks me, Brother Keith, you know, could you say any, any couple of things that has helped you in your life and walk with God and ministry more than anything else, I don't even hesitate. Number one, reading the Bible. I'm not talking about necessarily doing extensive word studies. You have to watch about, I'm talking about sitting down and starting with Matthew chapter one and reading through to the end. Just reading the Bible. Looking back now, you can begin to see that's where character gets into you. It's where strength and faith gets into you. And all the fruit of the Spirit, there's no substitute. You go for great lengths of time and don't read your Bible. You cannot help but grow weak and be more susceptible to deception and confusion and every evil thing. Read your Bible. Number one, read your Bible. Number two, I would say pray. Praying, communing with God. But you understand, if you don't read your Bible, you don't even know how to pray. You don't know the will of God. You you don't have faith to pray. So uh, I would say, number one, read your Bible. Number two, pray. And you know, I know that's that's real radical. A lot of kids learn that in Sunday school. Read your Bible, pray every day, and grow. (laughs) Grow. But people hear it and know it, but it's too simple for them. They get complicated and complex and they have all kind of other ideas. But friend, get away from that and you're going to get away from your strength. Get away from your light in life. Let me go over that real slow again. Say it after me. Number one, (laughs) read your Bible. Bible. Number two, Pray. 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 Now how long we do this? All of our life, every day, every week, every month, all your life. But in examining this, this phrase came up in my spirit, no risk, no reward. And so I thought, Lord, you know, show me that in the Word. Let me see that in the Word. And and you see here that it said these men risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I looked up that word. It's hazarded in the King James and risked in others. It means... To give over into the hands of, to entrust with, to surrender to. You know, Jesus said, hanging on the cross, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. That's trust. And I, I begin to think back over my life, and every time that we've ever followed the leading of the Lord your flesh feels like you're risking. And so many people play it safe and stay in the boat. You know what I mean by that. And what it is, is fear versus faith. You let fear get a hold of you and you get afraid of the risk. You know, you won't Tell somebody about Jesus because you're afraid of being ridiculed. You're afraid of being rejected. You're afraid they won't think you're cool. You're afraid they won't want to be your friend or whatever. As a preacher, we have to deal with this. I've preached things that not everybody believed. I've preached things and taught things that not everybody agreed with. And, and you know, after getting some ugly letters and, and losing some fellowship with some people that you thought were your friends well uh, man you, you, you get to where you want you don't want to risk that anymore but how many know you're supposed to obey God none of us are perfect none of us know it all we can make mistakes but when you get something in your heart and it can be as simple as it seems good it seems right it seems like you should do this you listen to the enemy he'll tell you it's too, it's too big of a risk but no risk, no reward. With God, it's, he doesn't see it as a risk. You know, when the children of Israel were delivered out of Egyptian bondage, they came to the Red Sea, Pharaoh and his army in the back, Red Sea in the front. You know, it would have been a lot easier if God had delivered them before they got all the way closed in, you know, like that. And it seemed close, it seemed tight. I mean, the Pharaoh's horse is breathing down the back of your neck, and your toes are in the water. And you're thinking, okay, God, any time, any time. But with God, it was never close. Because he already knew what he was going to do. But with them, it seemed way too risky. Because they didn't know. They hadn't been there. They hadn't seen it. Do you suppose they felt uncomfortable? They hear the galloping. They hear the rattling of the sword and the spear. And they know these guys are hot. They want to kill somebody today. How about the fiery furnace incident? It would have been so much easier on their flesh... If they'd have just stood up and said, no, we're not going to bow to your dumb idol and we're not going to worship you. And, and, and God had just moved on Nebuchadnezzar and he'd said, oh, okay. I see you're standing up for your God and that's great. Let's just let's forget all this. I messed up. That would have been so much easier on their flesh. But do you think that they had any feelings that they were risking it all? When they looked at him and said, no, we're not going to bow. And if you throw us in, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. Don't you think, I mean, now everybody has got flesh and everybody's got a head and everybody's got feelings. And I don't care how much you know you've heard from God, your head's going to scream you're going to die. Right? And it sure looked that way when the biggest, strongest guards came and tied them up in their coats and hats and scarves so they'd burn real good and fired up this furnace seven times hotter and came and these guys fell down, overcome from the heat and with their last bit of strength shoved them in. And when they're going down on their hands and knees into the coals, into the fire, don't you think that their feelings and their mind is screaming? It would have been a lot easier on their flesh with them not feeling that they had to risk as much if God had moved before this, but it wouldn't make nearly as good of a Sunday school story. You can say, and God moved on Nebuchadnezzar, and he said, it's all right, you can go back. The kids would not be excited about that at all. They just want another cookie or something. But when you tell them they were inside the fiery furnace, I'm sure their mind was freaking out, but they realized, hey, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. You don't have these kind of miracles. You don't have These kind of signs and wonders, supernatural demonstrations where God shows himself strong enough that people around about, unbelievers look and go, wow, God must be real. You cannot have that unless somebody, if you'll allow me to use the phrase, has the guts to risk it. And I don't mean just a little bit, I mean risk it all. And the more faith you have, then the more willing and the more bold you get to just hang it all out on the limb and say, God, if you don't come through, it's all over. (laughs) But I know you're coming through. Have you ever been there? Now, I know this is really pertinent to me because I'm there right now. But I feel like there are other people the same place. We're all there to some degree, and some feel it more than others, but looking back over my life when we made the decision to come to Phyllis and myself, I was not going to be a preacher. I never thought about me being a preacher. I was going to be a fighter. And that's all I practiced at night. I was going to be a full contact. Uh, you know karate guy and I ran miles a day I could kick you real hard but I couldn't preach to you and it never crossed my mind that I would do that and God got a hold of me I began to get fed and I began to something something happened in me I got dissatisfied man in the middle of the night I couldn't sleep I'd get up I'd get out in the woods praying and saying God what do you want what Finally, he got a hold of me that I was to come to the camp meeting, uh, Dr. Hagen's ministry, and I was, we came out to that, and we took a tour of the campus. And as we were going through, we got on the bus to go back to the Civic Center. Phyllis looked at me and said, uh, Did you ever know that you were supposed to do something, and you didn't want to do it? I just played cool and said, What? <laughs> and, and all the way we drove back home after the meeting, and we're quiet a lot of the time because we're thinking. And because uh, we, didn't, we didn't have money, we didn't have contacts, except the major one, you know, God. And uh, you get to thinking about it. And, I, and, and so as we begin to talk about, okay, God's dealing with us to come to Ramah. Well, several people felt like it was their duty to come by and tell me why I shouldn't go. They said, now, Brother Keith, they said, uh, we need you in the church right here. We don't have that many young people that are fired up for God, and and, and we need you. And isn't the Holy Ghost your teacher? And I said, yeah. Well, can't he teach you here? And I said, well, yeah, I guess he could. I didn't have answers to all their questions. But the more I prayed, it just seemed like that's what I was supposed to do. But the enemy will come and say, yeah, but you you're giving up your job you're leaving your place that you've got I had just finished my hot rod I had a cool little 37 Ford coupe with a chrome dash and a hot rod motor you're leaving your motorcycle I had a Doberman that I had trained you're leaving him I know that may not seem like much to some folk but when that's where I was at and what are you going to do for money and what are you going to do for a place to live And it just seems like, man, you're risking too much. And the devil will try to paint all these pictures about you getting out here and just falling on your face, or starving, or or going nuts, or whatever. Which a lot of your relatives thought had already happened. But we did. I mean, we had no money. it's, It's amazing how little money we had. And I had a little pickup truck, and and Phyllis had a Vega which was almost a car, and we loaded up that little truck. No, we looked like the Beverly Hillbillies, man. We did, for real. And, and off we went to Broken Arrow, wherever that is, Oklahoma. And we got out here. We'd never been away. we we a little rural community. We'd never been away from home. We figured, hey, it's, Tulsa's a big place. I know we can find a place to live. It was before all the apartments had been built that are here now. We could find no place. None. And what little money we had for our registration, we're spending on hotel and and motel rooms. Phyllis is crying at night. I'm wanting to cry, but I've got to be tough, you know. (laughs) So by the grace and mercy of God, we, we found a little place downtown in the rough part of town. Massage parlor at the end of the block. and Motorcycle gang lived in the building on the other side. And as our welcome, you know, the first thing that happened is the, the, the bike guys siphoned all my gas out. On my car. And I didn't have money to buy anymore. So, man, it looks like you have blown it, man. You have messed up. But without going into detail, some people showed up just to visit us that weekend and just bought us a tank of gas and we got the next meal and we made it through the next day and the next day and the next day and the next next year and we moved out of that into a better apartment and into a rent house and into a nice house and into a nice house. (laughs) But what if you had not been willing to risk anything? What if you just said, well... And I know people, they came to me and said, God's calling, he's told me to go to Raymond. he's told me to go to ORU, he's, he's told me to, to go to wherever, you know, he's called me in the ministry. And they were so pumped and so excited about it. And, 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 and they said, well, you know, if God will just help me get out of debt and, and get me enough money and get me to move, I'll do it. Well, he did. He got them out of debt. He got the money in their hands. And I hear six months later, they're saying, well, we decided we've got family here and we've got this and we've got that. And so we, we're not going to do it. Big mistake. Why do people do that though? Fear. I know while I was going to school, people were taking mission trips. And some guys were going to build a church in, in Guatemala and going to do some things there. Well, I, it, it came up upon my heart to go. Well, I had no money to go. But the Lord dealt with me. Go to the meeting where they're talking about it. So I went. They passed around a Sheet. Said, you know, if you want to go, sign up. You'll need X amount of $1,000. Well, I thought, well, I'm just here listening. So the sheet passed by, and the Spirit of God spoke to me, sign up. I thought, I can't sign up. And here's the thoughts that come if you sign up, and then it comes around, you're supposed to have the money, you'll look dumb. You'll, you'll look like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You'll be embarrassed, you'll be ashamed. You have to come back and drag up and go, "Well, I'm sorry, I don't have the money. Well, why'd you sign up? I don't know <laughs> So I signed up, and I'll never forget it. I walked across you know, looking back now, it doesn't look as big now, but back then it was big to me it was it was where I was at. I walked across the the parking lot to my little pickup and and um it was cold, and the wind was blowing like it does here sometime and and I just stopped out in the middle of the parking lot, and I thought, man, I hadn't even told Phyllis about this yet. And I've signed up, and the devil got in the pickup with me on the way home. <laughs> he did, and he said, you've blown it, man, you've blown it. Y'all are here believing God for your next meal, believing God for your tuition, and you're here, sign up, and you're going you're gonna to get thousands of dollars, and you're going to go on this mission trip. But praise God, the Holy Ghost was there, too. He spoke inside me and he said, what, what man goes to warfare any time at his own expense? He said, I'm sending you and I'm paying for it. And I said, yes, you are. <laughs> so I risked the embarrassment. I risked the, the shame. With God, there never was a risk. But with my mind and my flesh, it seems that way and it feels that way. Well, days went by, days went by, time's coming, just a few days and I'm going to have to have the money. Some people invited us over to their house for a meal and you know how students are, we went immediately. They cooked us a steak. Man, it had been a long time since we'd even seen a steak. And as we got up to leave, the lady of the house said, you know, we heard that you were going on a mission trip. And I said, yeah. And she said, we want to give you a check to help you with your expenses. It was like half the money. Oh, man, I shouted and praised God as we got in our vehicle to leave. And then the devil got in the truck again. He said, half is just like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody besides me ever heard it? How many? You can identify the devil is always negative. He said, half is just like nothing. Well, that's when you've got to push that out of your mind. And not be afraid to risk it and keep going. So we just kept going. It it came down to like two days before. And through some totally unexpected sources, here came the rest of the money. And I went, and it was an amazing experience. There was a military coup where we were while it was going on. It was interesting. But amazing things happened. God spoke to my buddy that was there that he's supposed to come back. Now he's pastor of a large church down there. Interesting. But everything, when we got out of school, went into ministry, Every, everything that we decided to do, your head will tell you, you can't do that. And people will come and tell you, you can't do that. You're going to lose it all. No risk, what? No reward. Read with me just a little bit further here. Go on over to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians chapter 2. Said out loud, I'm not afraid. I trust my God. He has never failed me. And he never will. Hallelujah. In Philippians the second chapter. And the 29th verse, this is talking about a brother by the name of Epaphroditus, we'll just call him Epi for short. And he was a man that God used to minister to Paul and take some natural things to him that he was needing. We don't know all the details, but he, in his travels, we don't know if he exposed himself, we don't know if he was... Uh, abused by adversaries of the gospel, we don't know, but he got sick and he almost died. And in verse 29 it says, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. Hold such, honor such, other translation says, because for the work of Christ he was near unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Another one says that he he risked his life, the Living Bible says. He risked his life. The NIV says he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up the help that you could give me. And the previous verse says you're to honor people like this. You know it. You may be better than some. How that so many folk in Christendom have just, you know, it's, it's so easy and, and in this country to just be comfortable. And not risk anything. But has Christianity changed? Are you and I to be like Paul? Are we to be like these men? Are we to be like Barnabas? Are we to be like Epaphroditus? And be willing to risk it all? Is it true that still today we that follow him should take up our cross? And be willing to lay down and lose our own life. If you don't feel like you're risking something on a regular basis, then you're not stepping out. You're not obeying God. With relationships, it can be tough. I know in following God, it seemed like I was leaving people, I was leaving relationships. And sometimes that's the way it is initially. But I've found that the greatest favor you ever did a friend or family member was obey God. And follow him all the way. Because some of the same people that pulled on me and cried and said don't do it you're leaving us. The same people 10 years later or 15 years later or 20 years later are the ones that hug you now and said thank you for obeying God. Because you get in a position where you can help them. Everybody say Risk. Are you willing to risk humiliation? So many, I mean, when it comes to flowing in the gifts of the Holy Ghost, how many believe in the manifestations and gifts of the Spirit? How many believe in the word of knowledge and and word of wisdom and special faith and working in miracles? You believe in these? You know why so many people are not used in these? Because they're afraid to step out. They're afraid to be embarrassed. I know years ago in healing school, we had the privilege of working with the, uh, Brother Hagen's healing school for a number of years. I was, I was teaching in healing school, and we were in ministry laying hands on people, just going down through the line, leaving God for the anointing to minister to them. And I came to this one lady. I'd been preaching on miracles, and it came up in my heart. This lady was over 80 years old, and I learned later—I didn't know all about it then—but she had one ear was deaf. And a shoulder, a rotary cuff was damaged. She couldn't, and frozen and stiff. She couldn't lift her arm any higher than this, it was immobile. Well, when I got to her, it came up in my spirit cuff her on the side of the head and grab that arm and lift it up. That's what came up in my heart. Now, you know, people pray about, Lord, I want to see miracles. I want to see miracles. Well well, I want you to know it doesn't make a difference if a working of miracles or special faith is coming up in you. You still got your own head. And you still got your feelings, and you can let your reasoning and your feelings of fear of risk talk you out of stepping out and obeying God. Well the first thing that popped in my mind is, is this God? And then these thoughts begin to come. You can't cuff this 80 year old lady on the side of the head you can't take her arm and lift it you'll hurt her you may hurt her terribly and then your mind gets to know what about the legal side of this deal and so many people think well it's just not worth the what the risk it's not worth the risk And so much of it has to do with pride. What if I do it and nothing happens? I would just be mortified. I just couldn't stand it. People know how unspiritual and dumb I am. What if you go all your life and nothing ever happens? What does that mean? I was talking to a friend of mine because we're, you know... That's what we're doing right now. We're leaving a lot of stuff that we've known and been comfortable with. And we're launching totally out into some areas that are new to us. And uh, he and I were talking about some of this. And I said, well, I said, number one, you need to hear from God and follow him. And I said, I'm doing that the best I know. I said, but I would rather fall flat on my face trying to obey God and follow God than to play it safe and sit on the side too afraid to step out. Amen? The Lord looks at your heart. So these thoughts are, are going back and forth in my mind. Is that God? Is that not God? What if you hurt this lady? What and, and all this. You just have to push that aside, trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean to your own understanding. I just reached up and went... On the side of the head, I grabbed her arm and I said, Be loosed in Jesus' name. Well, you have either really done good or you have really messed up. I kind of wanted to close one eye and open the other. She said, Hallelujah! and started waving that arm that she couldn't raise and could hear out of that ear. Put a watch up to it, she could hear it. That's a miracle. I said, That's a miracle. That's not just recovery. I mean, it was that way one second. Now it's not. I've seen things, I've, I've seen tumors and growth disappear under my hand. But I also, in the early days of my ministry, I did some things that didn't work. I won't even tell you all of them. <laughs> but I did. There's a couple of things I did that I look back now and I go, man. But I refused to get afraid and quit stepping out. I was willing to risk whatever reputation I thought I had. I was willing to risk looking bad or looking dumb, being ridiculed, or even being rejected by people I thought was my friends. And it's happened. But I tell you what, there's nothing like the the, the peace inside that you have when you know that you're obeying God with everything you know, you're following Him to the best of your ability and heart, and if you mess up, it's not because you're not willing to try. Amen? If it doesn't happen, it's not because you were too scared. You know, Peter, he, he got out in the middle of walking on the water and he, He got afraid and he looked at the wrong thing. And he did the wrong thing, but he did a right thing too. How many other people do you know have even taken one step on the water? And the reason he did it was because he wasn't afraid to step out. He wasn't afraid to cry out to the Lord. You know, think about this. I mean, it takes some guts to do this, to say, Lord, is that you? (laughs) That's me. Tell me to come out there with you. You see, theologians and, and church tradition and, and men's ideas have warped the, the, the message of the word to where you got God high and lofty and far off and viewing man as an insignificant worm. And anytime anybody says, I'm going to believe God for this, I'm going to do this, people say, oh, now who do you think you are? You sit down, you worm, you're nothing. Like that God would be somehow threatened if we did too much. That somewhere or another, if we had miracles, if we did exploits, it would take away from him, make him look less. Nothing could be further from the truth. God made man, he made woman in his own likeness and image to fellowship with him and walk with him on his level. And since mankind fell, ever since then, he's, he had the plan, he had Jesus, he had redemption, calling, just like Jesus said that day, if that had been theologians, they would have said, Peter, how dare you think that you, a mere mortal, could do what I, the Son of God, do. That's man, that's not him, that's not him. What did Jesus say? What did he say? Come on, the Holy Ghost is talking today. What did Jesus say? The one who is the same yesterday, today and forever never changes. What is he still saying today? Come on. You want to walk on the water? Come on. You want to see miracles? You want to preach the gospel? You want to be a blessing? You want to see the water turned into wine? You want to see the dead raised? You want to see the blind eyes open? You want to see whole families wonder Jesus? What do you got to do? Not be afraid to risk it. Not be afraid of falling on your face. Not be afraid of being embarrassed. Just step out. Have the humility. If you do mess up, have the humility to say, you know, I missed it. And nobody else who's honest can throw a stone at you. But at least you're trying. Amen? At least you're reaching out. Can you say amen? Glory to God. I want you to go with me. To the book of Psalms. And let me just encourage you with a few scriptures. As we get ready to to wind this up today. Sit out loud while you're turning there. I'm not afraid. I'm willing to risk it. Now see I'm just talking about how your flesh feels. With God there is no chance of failure. If you're really obeying him. But you're going to feel like it. And you've got to deal with your feelings and your mind. In Psalm 37, why don't you turn there? Psalm 37. You know, sometimes people wonder about individuals that are are greatly used of God and how that they must be almost superhuman, you know, not really like me. But you find it again and again. It's, It's not people that just had necessarily extraordinary abilities, but it's people that were willing to obey God. Many are called... But what? And why is that so? Because few answer the call. Few are willing to to leave their comfort and step out. Few are willing to, for lack of a better term, risk it all. But the ones who are, the ones who say, well, you know, if I look dumb, I look dumb. I know some of the first spiritual songs that I sang publicly. (laughs) You know, Brother Hagin had called me up during meetings or something, and I'd have three words. you would have the title of the song. And he says, Keith, you got something? I'm thinking, yeah, but not much. <laughs> but you don't say that. Let me back up and I'll finish that story. The, the first time that I, that I spoke, preached taught. Like I said, I was not a preacher before I came to school at all. I had no sermons, no outlines. And I, I volunteered helping in the healing school, uh, greeting people, filling out registration forms, praying with people after the service and that kind of thing. And I'd only been there a few months. And uh, the person that headed up the, the place, they said, you know, they came and said, Brother is not going to be here next Thursday. We want you to speak. And I had said, well, you know, whatever you need me to do, I want to do. And I said, I said, okay, all right. And they left, and I I thought, oh no. No, no, no. No, because Brother Hagin spoke there every day. Uh, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland spoke there when he wasn't there. And and Charles Capps and and Jerry Savelle and people like that. And then next Thursday, Keith Moore. (laughs) Keith who? And... So I'm driving home, and I think, well, as soon as I get home, I'm going to call. didn't have a cell phone, of course, in those days. As soon as I get home, I'm going to call and tell them, you know, this is a mistake. We don't need to do this. But when I got home, the Lord was dealing with me. Well, you better pray before you just do this. So I literally get in the closet. wasn't very big. And shut the door. And I'm praying, and I'm praying. And, oh, I prayed and prayed and prayed and got nothing till I about prayed out. Sometimes you've got to run out and get quiet before you can hear from God. I lay there on the floor. The Lord began to speak to my heart. He said, do you remember the little boy's lunch? I don't mean I'm hearing an audible voice, but inside me. I thought, yes, sir. You know, the couple of fish and the loaves. I said, yes, sir. He said, you feel like you don't have much. And compared to some of these people that have been putting the word in them for decades, that's true. He said, but you got me. And he said, and I can take a little and do a lot with it. He said, you, you hold up, what, what little you feel like you have, you, you hold it up like those two sardines and pieces of bread and you give me thanks for it like it's a whole truckload enough to feed everybody and you watch me multiply it to meet the need. So I did, man, I stood up there trembling. Figured, boy, in about five minutes everybody's going to realize how little I actually know. And it seemed like I had two sardines and a cracker. But I held them up, and I just made like I had a truckload. I just, Lord, we thank thee for this bountiful provision. And started speaking. And thoughts came to me, and illustrations came to me, and verses came to me. And I had spoken for 45 minutes, and I look around, people are smiling, act like they've got something. I knew it was a miracle. But you, but you can't be afraid of messing up. You can't be afraid of risking. I, I couldn't have cowered and stayed home and said, Well, I, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a preacher. God says you're something and that's what you are. No matter how you feel about it. In Psalm 37, are you there? Psalm 37 and verse 3. I want you to, to, to not just listen to me read this this morning, but hear the Lord speaking this to you. How many believe God's word is God speaking to you? All right, let him tell you this. It wouldn't be any more true, it wouldn't be any more sure if Jesus came through the ceiling and looked at you and told you this this morning. It's, it's the same. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. So shall you dwell in the land and verily you shall be Fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll do what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Now that's really, that's really the same spirit of this, this word risking or hazarding, because it, me, it means to turn over to, to entrust with. To allow him to do what he wants to do with you. Give it to him. As far as your flesh feels, risk it. And trust in him, and what will he do? What will he do? And he shall bring it to pass. Said out loud, and say, I believe it. I believe it. Go to Proverbs. The twenty-ninth chapter. Let God speak to you through these verses this morning. Proverbs 29 and verse 25. 29-25. What does it say? The fear of a man, or fear of man, brings a snare. It puts you in bondage. You get afraid of what people are going to think, afraid of what they're going to say, afraid of being embarrassed, afraid of being ashamed, and you'll become paralyzed. you get to the place where you, you, you have to see what's politically correct before you can open your mouth. you get to the place where you have to see what's cool this week. To even see how to dress or, or how to say or where to go or what to do. You have no identity. You have no security in Christ. Don't live your life based on what people think. The fear of man brings a snare, brings bondage. But what? Whoever puts his trust in the lord even though he feels like he's risking it all what's the reality he shall be safe he shall be safe can you say amen glory to god turn with me and i think this is it's in closing to uh, mark the 10th chapter and i'm going to read to you a passage while you're turning there mark 10 Ah, oh, don't do that. I'm, I'm rushing. It's, it's on your way. Stop by Isaiah. It's on the way. Said out loud, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I don't live by the fear of man, I, fear of man. I, trust God. I trust God. Amen. Isaiah, the 12th chapter. Let God speak to you through this. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 2. I want you to read this out loud with me. If you've got another translation, that's all right. Just read whatever it says. Isaiah 12, 2. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. This will get you through some tough places. This is what you need to do in situations instead of just laying and pulling the, pulling the blinds and getting a fresh box of Kleenexes and rolling over on your side. No, get up. Get up and say, God's my salvation. Doesn't just mean I'm born again, I'm going to heaven. No, He saves you from everything bad. He saves you from all problems and evil. He's just my total salvation. Well, what am I saved? When you said I'm saved, you said a mouthful. Saved from what? The penalty of sin? Hell? Yes. Chastisement of peace? Sickness, disease? Accidents? I'm just saved. If it's bad, I'm saved from it. Amen? Say that loud, I'm saved. God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation said out loud again, I'll trust him. I'm not afraid. He's my salvation. In uh, Mark, the 10th chapter, this is also recorded in Matthew, you know, and other gospel accounts, but it is the account of the rich young ruler. And you know the story. But don't just assume, well, hey, I'm not a multimillionaire, I'm not a multi billionaire, this don't really apply to me. Oh, it applies to you if you've only got ten dollars this morning. It applies to you. And don't think because we don't live in the Roman Empire, and people are not being routinely thrown to the lions and killed in this country because of their stand for Christ, don't don't think that this risk thing doesn't apply to us. It does. There are places in the world, you know that, where somebody stands up and says, I'm a Christian. Well, then you've got no more family, you've got no more job, and you may be killed. But is there less required of us because we have laws protecting our right to worship God? I think not. So issues will come every day. And we need to be like Paul. How many understand Paul? Everywhere he went, the Apostle Paul, he had revival or riot. A lot of times both. And he knew. Especially, you know, after being stoned one time and left for dead, the next time you get up to preach and you hear a couple of rocks rattle together, (laughs) (laughs) it could make you gun shy, right? He had flesh just like you and I. But do you remember reading in the book of Acts? He got up after the other apostles and brothers stood around him and prayed and believed God. He got up, probably raised from the dead. And went back into the places that he basically just got ran out of for preaching the gospel. That takes guts. That means you're not afraid to risk it. And don't you remember when he was going to Jerusalem? And, and the Bible said different ones at places he went. They warned him, and they said, "You know, man, bondage and affliction is waiting on you in the city." What did he say? He said, "What do you, what do you mean, crying and trying to break my heart like this?" He said, "I'm ready to die." Somewhere, another people in modern Christianity think, "Well, well, now, brother, let's don't go that far." I mean, that yeah, the, the apostle Paul needed that. We need it. Nothing has changed. In this department, he said, I'm ready, whatever it takes, I'm ready to finish my course with joy. All the things I've accomplished and gained through my knowledge and my, I count them garbage, I count them refuse. All, everything's lost except knowing God and following Him. Does that still apply to us? Yes, it does. And nothing and no one can be more important to you. Than him. Did he not say that if you hold on to your life in this life, you'll lose it? If anybody loves his mother, his father, his family, anybody or his own self more than me, he's not worthy of me. These things are true too. If you put your hand to the plow, what did he say? Don't look back. <laughs> we had people in Ramah that quit after the first couple of terms. They had to have an exit interview with some of us instructors. Some of them said things like this. Well, why are you leaving? Well, it's just so hard. One guy said this. He said, you know how long it's been since I had a steak? He said, at mama's house, I have steak every week. What do you say to folk like that? Bye. (laughs) Exactly. Why? Why? They're not ministry material. You got to be willing to walk away from it all. And not just one time. It don't seem like that big now. But when we left to come to Ramah, I left my hot rod. Man, that was my baby. (laughs) I left my bike. Man. Left my dog. I mean, that was my dog. He caught Frisbees. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> he was my dog. Left him. Left everything. And Didn't look back. Well, like Abraham left and went out not knowing where he was going. It happens again. Like Abraham, you need to, in your heart, live in a tent all your life. Not just now. The Lord's dealing with us to relocate, start some areas of ministry that we've never done before and we believed God to, for certain things for decades here but we're, we're leaving it all. And no matter where you are it feels the same way every time. And your head tells you man, what if? What if this doesn't happen? what about that? Yeah, but if you don't step out, you will never know what blessings you missed. You know the story of the rich young ruler. He's all stirred up about serving God. He, he, you know he thinks he wants to go the whole way. He comes to Jesus and he says, "What can I do that I can inherit eternal life? Tell me, I know there's more. I want it. I want it all. I want to go all the way. The Bible said Jesus looked at him. Loved him. Asked him about the commandments. He rattled them off. He knew some word. And he said, well, there there is one thing you lack. If you want to be perfect, then don't let that word throw you. It means wholehearted. Sold out, you might say. If you want to be wholehearted, fully committed, this is what you do. Liquidate your properties, your assets, bless the poor, strike your tent, come follow me. Here's the moment of truth. A lot of people think they want to follow God till it comes down to risking something. What happened? He looked at it and he in his mind, he thought it's it's too much, it's too high of a price. it's too great a risk. what what if it, it, it maybe it took my dad or it took me years to build this wealth and to get to this place. And if I just turn it all loose, uh, what if I never get back to this? What if I never get back to the level of finance? That I'm at. What if I never live in the house like I live in now? What if I never uh, drive the donkey like I have now? <laughs> you know, Phyllis and I have been here in Tulsa for over 20 years and sowed our seed and believed God. And now we got a, a, a nice place to live and a nice vehicle to drive and we're sowing big seed into the kingdom. And as I'm looking face to face with some things the Lord's telling me to do, it means get rid of all of it liquidate all of it, and follow me. And I'll be honest with you, I got flesh. I mean, some of the things I really like. And and I'm thinking, man, you know, it took me a long time to believe for this and, and get this. And the Lord asked me a question one morning while I was getting ready. He said, do you believe I can do better? You turn this loose, do you believe I can do better? I said, yes, sir, I do. And isn't that what the Lord told him and told his disciples? In verse 28, Mark 10, Peter began to say to him, we've left everything. We left all, Mark 10:28. We left all and have followed you. Verse 29, what did Jesus say? He answered and he said, verily of a truth, you can count on it, it's sure, I'll say to you, there is no man That has left house, our brothers, our sisters, our father, our mother, our wife, our children, our lands for my sake. And the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold when? Now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions. Not everybody will be happy about it. But you'll have it. And, most importantly, in the world to come, eternal life. Friends, God has a call on all of our lives. Not everybody's called to stand behind the pulpit. Not everybody's called to sing on the platform. But everybody's called. And for you to follow your call fully, it's going to feel like you're risking it all. And it's not just going to happen one time. It's going to happen again through your life. And it's going to happen again in your life. And you can stop at any place because the Lord's not going to make you follow Him. He's not going to make you obey Him. But if you want His best, if you want His highest, if you want to see the miracles, if you want to see the glory of God manifest, if you want to walk in the greatest place that He has for you, you've got to be willing risk it all and to lay it all on the line and to give it all in his hand and say I know I'm not perfect what if I do miss God on something well he knows my heart and that's what he's looking at and he knows I'm trying to follow him what if people do laugh at me and some will what if some think I'm wrong and I'm off some will I mean they hated Jesus they talked about him they killed him you're not better than him If they persecuted him, they'll persecute us. Let me pray over you here for a minute. Father, I've endeavored to to share as you help me some things I believe your Spirit's saying to us and to everyone here. And Lord, I, I have an excitement in my spirit because I know that you always lead higher and further and greater. And you never call on us to step out but what you have glory on the other side. I ask you to help everyone. Reveal to them the next steps in their life in following you. Quicken them on the inside. Strengthen them with strength by your spirit in their inner man that they'd have the guts, that they'd have the courage and the determination to stand up and to cast fear aside and say, yes, I'll talk to anybody about Jesus. Yes, I'll say what you tell me to say, whether people think it's great or they don't like it. Yes, I'll obey you. I'll step out, whether it looks like I'm risking everything, whether I feel like I could lose everything. I will trust you and not be afraid. Said out loud. I will trust you and not be afraid. Stand up on your feet. Say it if you would. I will trust you and not be afraid. I will trust you and not be afraid. I will follow you all the way. I will obey you with my whole heart. No price is too great. No seeming risk too great. I trust you. Hallelujah. Put your hands up and thank him if you want. Oh, Father, we bless you. We praise you. We give you glory. We exalt you. We extol you. We magnify you. You're our God. You're our salvation. Hallelujah. You cannot fail. Oh, Lord, we're going to obey you. We're going to follow you. We're going to go all the way. We're not going to get scared and sit down or hold back or pull back. You have no pleasure in those that draw back. We move up. We move forward. We trust you. We trust you. Say it again. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Tell him. Don't just say it for my benefit. Tell him. I trust you, Lord. I trust you with my heart. I trust you with my eternity. I trust you with my body. I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my ministry. I trust you. I trust you. You will not fail me. I trust you in Jesus' holy name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church.